to emotion, you can affect change. But it doesn't happen overnight. It has to be repetitive. You have to do it again and again and again. It's a muscle. It's, it's a storytelling is a muscle. Just like great leaders, when they communicate and they activate teams, they don't just do it one and done. It's not love them and leave them. They're constantly reinforcing whatever the message is so it's really clear. So that's, that's the answer. Good side, not so good side. Welcome to Management Development Unlocked, where you will learn how to nurture a world-class management team. And now your host, Eric Gerard. Welcome to another episode of Management Development Unlocked. I am really glad you're here. While you still have your device in your hand, I'd like to ask three favors. One, please subscribe to the show. Two, please share this show with just one other person. And three, go to GerardTrainingSolutions.com and download my free ebook on becoming a manager. Today, I have Teresa Franco-Bacaro with me. Teresa, welcome to the show. Who are you and what do you do? Hi, Eric. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Teresa Franco-Macaro, and I am the chief storyteller for Why StoryWorks, where we help people put together their story. So I'm a storyteller, a leadership coach, a professional development trainer, author, and my main mission is to help people say and tell the right story at the right time to the right audience to get the right results. Beautiful. Well, I am thrilled to be talking to you. So thank you, Teresa, for being here. Yeah, me, me too. Likewise. And, you know, your, I heard you say in the intro, download your ebook for managers. It is really good, by the way. I, I read through it. I love it. It's so good. In fact, I'm going to I'm gonna steal that idea and put it uh, something like that for storytelling on my website. It's really good. So, oh, great. Well, thank you. Yeah, that resource is, is vital, not just for the new manager, for any manager. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I really like how interactive interactive it is too so people can type right in the form there so bravo thanks thanks a lot i appreciate that yeah yeah it's it's a freebie so there's no obligation just download it and and use it for sure like we always say management abc always be coaching or i say abv always be adding value which is what Mm -hmm. that book is so thanks for that yeah awesome thanks yeah All right. So I've got a few questions for you and I'm going to focus primarily on your storytelling. uh, And so, you know, we're, we're talking about new managers here and I would love to hear your point of view on why a new manager should use storytelling as they're leading their teams. Oh, what a great question. And storytelling is an art form. And the thing is we are all natural born storytellers and Over the years and evolution, we've kind of forgotten how to be a storyteller. And the the point for a new manager is they've got so many things coming at them. They've got to learn things. They've got to onboard people. They're in a new role. They might not have such great training, which you alluded to in your book, as well as some of your other podcasts. So when that manager communicates to their employees or their direct reports, they have to do it in a way that's going to activate action. And that comes through stories because stories elicit emotion and emotions elicit action. So that's the power of leading with story. Beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Continuing on from that, what are the elements of a good story and how can a new manager become a better storyteller? 
Okay. So I get this question all the time. So I've developed what I call a secret sauce. So we're going to take this in a little bit of chunks. So you being a learning and development professional, we all know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So how do you learn storytelling? One chunk at a time. The first thing I tell people is you got to follow the three golden rules. So there are three golden rules to story. Number one, be real. So what that means is you just show up as your authentic self. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to do something or say, you know, oh, I got to be like XYZ person. Show up as yourself because nobody likes posers. So that's number one. Number two, You want to be relevant. And so relevancy is really about tapping into the needs of the learner or the needs of your direct report or the needs of what you feel that new hire might be experiencing, let's say, in the first 90 days or so. So you want to be relevant to the individual and you also want to be relevant to the world around you. So, for example, in the last three and a half years, we've all gone through a major upheaval, of course, with the pandemic and now in the world of work and the hybrid work and return to work. So if you're not paying attention to what's happening in the world around you, your relevancy goes out the window. And last and certainly not least, number three is be brief. I don't know about you, Eric, but how many times have you sat next to somebody or you've been in a meeting and they start going on and on and on. They're telling a story and you're thinking, where the heck is this story going? And you want to like poke your eyeballs out. So I, I teach people how to tell a story in two minutes or less. And it's basically, you know, you, you want to be able to have that story conceptualized, be able to pull it out at a moment's notice, and you want to be able to do it in small little chunks. So that's the first thing. Be real, be relevant, be brief. And then I've got a lot more, but that's the overview. That's the big picture. Oh, that is lovely. I love the relevance piece. Yes. And I I tell in the classes that I teach, I'm constantly telling little mini stories. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, letting people say, hey, this is a scenario I was in and what happened, or Mm -hmm. this is what I observed. Yes. It's a little thing to to paint a picture in people's minds so that they can connect what I'm talking about to themselves. Exactly. And see, you know this, right? Because you're an L&D professional and you have been around for a while and you have seen managers and had leadership training that maybe wasn't the best. The language loves pictures. And we learn through pictures and we learn through stories. So when you can paint that picture in a mini, what we call micro step, or you can say an example in let's say 20 seconds or less, and then you can do a deeper dive and make it personal to yourself, which then increases that ability for empathy. And they're like, oh. Okay, Eric gets me. He's not just blowing smoke. He, he's been there, done that. I can learn from him. That's going to keep that relevancy piece. And it's going to have your audience, your learners, your direct reports leaning in. And that, again, is the power of story. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I remember I was with a, um, a group of girls. I have twin daughters, twin 14-year-old oh. girls. Oh, my God. Okay. First um, off, twin 13-year-old girls, I, I pay homage yeah, that's not an easy. They're, they're awesome. They're wonderful. And I yeah. was with a group of them, with them and a group of their friends. Okay. And I started telling stories and dropping knowledge, and they literally leaned in. It was pretty oh, yeah. cool. They Isn't literally it? leaned in. There, yeah, yeah. Tell us more. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. So, right. Yeah. Well, it's so funny because uh, speaking of young people, and again, sometimes I just riff. So feel free to like. I was watching this TED talk earlier this week for this uh, by this young woman. Her name is Molly Wright. She's seven years old. Have you seen this? 
Oh my God. If you haven't checked this out, she's a seven-year-old presenter doing a TED Talk. She's from Australia. And she talks all about what the brain needs and how we can all up-level ourselves from a young age. And she talks about from th uh, thrive from birth to five. And there are key things that parents and educators, learners, managers <laughs> need to do with their kids before they even turn five that will help them adapt better downstream when they're adults. So it's, it's fabulous. It's got over 9 million hits on that. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I'd like I'd like nine hits on a TED Talk. I'd, I'd like <laughs> I'd just like to be able to do a TED Talk. Yeah, yeah. Well, continuing on, can you give an example of how storytelling can move a team to achieve results, or when storytelling has had the opposite effect and diminished results? Okay, so first off, I've got a secret sauce that I tell people: if you don't want your audience to flee, so F L L. E A, you need to activate what we call the five neurological responses inherent in any good story. So that's fear, love, longing, empathy, and action. And when you activate one or all of those emotions, you're going to activate the neurochemical response. So fear, it's cortisol. For love, it's dopamine. For longing, it's serotonin. For empathy, it's oxytocin. And for action, it's adrenaline. So Here's a quick little mini shot of something that maybe might not work. Or here's a story where somebody's like, what? I was teaching a Dale Carnegie course just last week, and I'm a certified Dale Carnegie instructor. And one of the things we were going through is what are some of the ways to help reduce worry and stress? And one of Dale's principles that he says is pray. Well, I don't know about you, but people are like, pray, forget about it. You're talking about praying in a, in a corporate meeting. This meeting is over. That, that's what the CEO told me. One of the people said in a, in a training he was doing. And so that's where the story was incomplete. As a facilitator, or as a manager, we needed to maybe serve up a little backstory on what we mean by pray so that we don't alienate our audience or alienate our direct reports. And then conversely, that's one where it's just a recent example I had last week. Conversely, one that can move a team forward. I remember I was working for a Fortune 500 company. This was years ago before I started My Story Works. And this company, I was saddled with a team that had, get this, Eric, no more than maybe a 20 to 25% job approval rating. And we learned that through some 360 surveys from HR and different things. I'm sure you, you could relate to that as, as a trainer for management. And what I started doing with them is I would come in every single morning and I'd do what I call drive-by. <laughs> so I would whiz by their desks and just say hello and bend down and look them in the eye and spend maybe five minutes max, but probably closer to about 30 seconds to two minutes, just checking in with them, seeing how they're doing. And then eventually we had some change management they went through. We brought in some customized tools. I did some customized training. We offered some things outside of work. We initiated employee retention program that was all about giving honest, sincere appreciation. And guess what? By the end of the two years in that assignment, we had uh, boosted employee morale by over 50%. So now instead of having a 20 to 25% job approval rating, it was closer to 75 or 80. 
So that's just one way how when you do those stories over and over again, and you have that human connection through emotion, you can affect change. But it doesn't happen overnight. It has to be repetitive. You have to do it again and again and again. It's a muscle. It's, it's a storytelling is a muscle. Just like great leaders, when they communicate and they activate teams, they don't just do it one and done. It's not love them and leave them. They're constantly reinforcing whatever the message is. So it's really clear. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the answer. Good side, not so good side. Beautiful. And when you were giving the bad example, you know, we're not recording video, but I can describe for folks, when you were giving the bad example, your whole demeanor changed and your, uh-huh. your face just went slack. Okay. And it was, it was clear you weren't into this either. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, all, it all goes together where you've got to have the voice and the nonverbals as mm-hmm. well as a good story, as well right. as empathy. And I love how you tied it to all the different chemicals, the brain chemicals. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, there was a study done. This is Dr. Moravian back in 1972. And he talks all about the congruency of language. And, and, and I'm sure you know that study. But if let's imagine you're speaking and your body language or your facial expressions are not congruent to what you're saying, People will believe your body. In other words, forget about what you're saying. They're going to look and they're going to say he, he or she is lying, or that doesn't that's that's not what I uh, believe to be true. There are biochemical responses, and that is something that I developed developed over the years to help people understand the power of story. And if you understand where your learner is, or your direct report, or your folks that you are managing, where are they at any given time, then you can serve up a story that's going to help them. So for example, a new hire might be feeling a tremendous amount of fear. So they've got all this cortisol rolling through their body. And we as leaders, managers need to tap that down and we need to to help them. And, you know, cortisol is not necessarily a bad thing. It helps people focus. It's like, get your act together. You know, this is important stuff. So you, you want to alleviate some of that cortisol, but also maybe sprinkle in some love stories, right? I don't know about you, but how many times have you gone to a new hire training or a new manager onboarding? And the first thing they do is they start talking all about the company and history, right? Has that ever happened, right? It's like, what, what, the new reports, the direct reports, they don't care about that. They care about, well, did I make the right choice? Is, am I going to love it here? Do other people love it here? What, what do I need to do? And so this idea of sprinkling in love stories or little breadcrumbs to help your learner or your direct report feel calm or, you know, feel like they made the right choice. It's really, really important. And the thing about dopamine is it only stays in the system for about 90 seconds. So you have to keep reintroducing it. And that's what salespeople have learned over the years and marketers. That's why they, they, you know, keep putting those dopamine things out there so that we fall in love with the products and we buy it over and over again. So that's just one little quick example. But that, that neurochemical response is really powerful. And when you can serve up a story that's going to help your learner move through whatever discomfort they are feeling, feel more connected, it helps them feel more confident, helps them feel focused, it helps them feel part of a team, it helps them feel like they can do it. That's that's priceless. Oh, that is that is wisdom. That is great. Thank you. All right. My pleasure. I am hearing a lot of new managers report that they are fearful that AI, like ChatGPT and Bing and so on, mm-hmm. will take their jobs or the jobs of their team. Mm-hmm. How can storytelling help reduce this stressful narrative? Wow. 
So I'm hearing the same thing. And, you know, people are saying it's coming for you. It's coming for your jobs. It's coming for the writers and the creatives and, you know, the storytellers and the L&D folks. It's coming for your jobs. There's a corn fairy study that was done in uh, 2023. And they said that by the year 2030, we are going to have such a talent shortage. So in other words, it's not that AI is going to take my job. It's that we don't have enough people to do the work to help manage the AI. So 85.2 million people shortage by the year 2030, which could result in the United States alone, a uh, shortfall of about 6% of our GDP or about 1.48 trillion. That's with a T dollars. So if people are worried about ChatGPT and all of the new technology out there, the best way to save your job is to learn because the technology is not going anywhere. So, you know, I post on on LinkedIn and I read there's so many free courses out there and you don't want to lose your human connection because that, my friends, is the only thing that differentiates us. The story is the differentiator. So now it's more important than ever to be a storyteller or a manager that leads with story or a manager that can connect human to human because we're going to have that shortfall and there aren't going to be enough people to do the work and you want to hang on to that talent and you want to hire the right folks. Well, playing with this a little bit, yeah, I can get a plug in to create a video, okay. a persona yep. to create creative content writing. I can even have ChatGPT write my resume. I have had ChatGPT make me a training outline. Mm -hmm. So what does this mean for a new manager? I mean, how do they leverage these new AI tools and storytelling to lead? So I've played around with ChatGPT too, and I've used prompts to help me with headlines, to help me with just about everything. It's a starting point. So first off, ChatGPT or, or AI... It hallucinates <laughs> and makes stuff up. So you've got to be able to navigate it. And it, it gets rid of what I say, that cursor feeling like, oh, my God, you know, the blank screen, that, that fear. So it might help you get started. And it's not the end of the story by any means. So use your plugin, get it as a way to help you get familiar with the prompts, because the more detailed you can be in your prompts, the better your output is going to be. Additionally, we got to be careful. I was listening to a podcast just the other day on, I think it was Idle Courses with Dr. Robin Sargent. And there was this young man on there talking all about, I think it's called Mind, Mind Spirit or Mind Journey. I can't, it's not Mid Journey. Anyway, I'll get the right thing and put it in the notes for you. But he was talking about how you could plug in and and it will upload and create a deck and a learning tool, all of it. It was a plug-in add-on. And I'm thinking, I don't want my data feeding that chat GPT. I'm going to wait for, let's say, Microsoft's Copilot so that my, my data stays with me and it doesn't get fed into the algorithm because then, you know, everybody can take it and steal it. And and then we'll say, well, you know, being a writer years ago, I remember I wrote my first play and they, they always wanted me to turn over the rights to them. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to turn over the rights to you. The, the, the play ran for five years in Baltimore. It was lovely. And anyway, so you guys can present it or produce it anytime you want, but I own that copyright. So copyright infringement is really important right now. In fact, 
There are a lot of lawsuits running. I heard a um, podcast just the other day by Sam Altman, who's the creator of ChatGPT, talking all about how, you know, ChatGPT is, you know, having to maybe pay royalties for some of the images that they've been using and what are the ramifications for it. And some of the folks are putting a tap down on their information so that it can't be swallowed up and 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 absorbed into the algorithm. So I think there are a lot of things we haven't quite learned yet with this new technology. And there are a lot of ramifications for it. And right now it's like the wild west, right? I mean, everyone's like, this is great. I love it. And I like it too, right? It, it helps me and it helps my administrative assistant, Ingrid, and I kind of get going and I'm going to be very careful with the amount of proprietary information that I plug into it because I don't want all of my information out there on some level. There's some things that are already in the domain, right? It's on my website, what have you. But, you know, my book, the things I'm working on, my proprietary secret sauce of F-L-L-E-A and all of that research I've done in neuroscience. I've spent years developing that. I don't want some buddy to just absorb it and take it and then serve it up for other folks. So we just got to be cognizant of the brain trust that's out there. And we also have to check the facts. Another thing about ChatGPT, if you use the plugin for, let's say, Bing right now, it will serve up the annotated sources. So you got to check your sources. I mean, data in, data out, you get mm, in, you're going to get mm, out. So you have to be able to see where is that source? Where is this coming from? I was working on some kind of letter. I can't remember. And I said, you know, customize this for Teresa Franco McCarrow and why story works and her articles on the le-. And it made stuff up. I'm like, oh, that's nice. I never wrote that article. You know, I was just like, mm. so it, it's got so many, so many applications. It's such an exciting time. So get out there, learn the tool. There's so many free resources on LinkedIn, Coursera, people offering things. I'm sure you're probably going to have an offering at some point. Take your class and Don't forget about the human connection, because again, that is something that AI and a chatbot cannot duplicate. And that's what we crave, your ability to tell a story and to be real and relevant and brief is going to be your only differentiator, especially inside of AI. All right. So that's me on my soapbox. I'm sorry yes. about that, but I have a lot of passion around that, as I'm sure you can hear in your listeners. Yeah, you do. Yeah. No, that's okay, though. Yeah. And, and I, I love how you said it's the Wild West, because it is. I yeah. think everything is blown wide open, and it's yeah. going to get moderated in some way as we move well, along. And as it should be, right? I mean, you know, but we can't stop the technology, right? You that you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. I mean, you can't, the horse has left the barn. And so what we need to do is figure out how am I going to ride this wild bronco of AI and how will it serve me instead of me serving it? And yes. what am I going to serve up to it? What are the carrots and the apples that I'm giving this wild bronco? And I'm going to be judicious about the menu I serve to it because it's my story. I get to decide. You get to decide. We are the narrators of our own story. That's the beauty of the story. Beautiful. Well, thank you. Yeah. Here's a, here's a softball for you. Okay. Do you have a product or a service you'd like to plug? Oh, well, here's the thing I say about that. I'm always available to help people with their stories. 
So anybody can go to the Why Story Works website, www.whystoryworks.com. So that's W-H-Y-S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-K-S.com. And they can sign up for a 20-minute story coaching session. And I would love to do that. You know, bring a story, what have you. I've also got a chunk outline on my website. It's free, much like your free ebook. Mine is a template. It's fillable PDF. So download that, fill out that chunk outline, bring that to your story session to make the most of it. Let's imagine you're a new manager and you've got some onboarding you got to do. Figure out the story you're going to tell to engage those folks in the beginning and at the end of your session because people remember the beginnings and ends. I've also got a book. So this is on my website. I've been published in this book. I've got a chapter in here. It talks a little bit about my origin story. I've got lots of videos on my website as well as a YouTube channel. And Teresa, since we're not recording video, can you tell us the name of that book? Oh, absolutely. Sorry about that, Eric. Yes. The book is on my website and you can find it there. And it's on Amazon. It's called The Anatomy of a Book. And it's 20 industry experts share what aspiring authors need to know about writing, publishing, and book marketing. It's really about how to get your story out there in printed form. And I have a story, uh, a chapter in here, I think it begins on page 63. What It talks about the secret sauce about Flea and what got me into storytelling and why story works many moons ago when when I was six years old. It's 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 kind of fun. So... Anyway, and I'm also writing another book, but that's not out yet. So if you want to be informed of when that book comes, sign up to get on the email list and we will let you know. All right. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Last question. Yeah. What brings you the most joy in your life? Oh, my kids. I mean, my God. I mean, that's kind of a no brainer. Yesterday was Mother's Day and I'm not sure when this, this is going to air probably, you know, but there's no greater joy than seeing your kids flourish and thrive. My kids are 20 and 23, respectively, and they're both launched, and they both have a career in the arts. One is a dancer, and one is a theater tech. And I, you know, have a background in story, and I have a background in performance, of course, and L and D and training. So, and my husband's a carpenter. So there's some kind of creative element coursing through their veins. So that gives me great joy, and and I love it. So. Yeah, I, I can totally relate. Yeah. Having, having kids myself, I totally get that. You get it. Yep. Well, Teresa, thank you so much. I enjoyed our conversation. I learned a ton. How can people find you? Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, Teresa, so that's T-H-E-R-E-S-A at whystoryworks.com or on LinkedIn. I'm the only Teresa Franco Macero out there, so on LinkedIn. So find me on LinkedIn, connect with me. I'd love to help find us on YouTube, our Why Story Works YouTube channel. And just, you know, keep telling your stories because it's your story that connects us all and reminds us of who we are and what we value. That's why stories work. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Teresa. And thank you for listening. Please remember to subscribe, comment, share, and connect with me on LinkedIn. We'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Management Development Unlocked. Want more? Get a ton of insider tips and tools at GerardTrainingSolutions.com. 